Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for the depth of your word and uh, the power that it brings. And I pray, God, today that your spirit would guide and lead us once again to see how good you are, to see your hand at work, and to see um, how you look at us in a new way, especially when we mess up, especially when we're off-center. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Well, this last weekend, last uh, weekend, I participated in the Mayor's Cup. I don't know if anybody went and saw this by chance. It was uh, at the Taste of Elmwood Park, a bocce ball tournament. It's a big deal, all right? As you can see, lots of people come out to come and view the Mayor's Cup that is happening. And anybody played bocce ball by a show of hands before? Very few of you. All right, this is good. It is a simple game that requires little skill unless you're in the mayor's cup. This is how it works. You take a little yellow ball, you just roll it on the ground, and then you have teams that compete to try to get their team ball closest to that yellow ball. The game works by uh, best of three, first to 11 points wins the game. If you win two out of three, you win the match. In the mayor's cup, is a big deal. It's very intense. As you can see by this picture right here on the right, there are many times where we have to call for a tape measure to come out and measure who is closest to that yellow ball. And it just so happened that we were in the quarterfinals of the tournament at the Mayor's Cup. This is a four-day tournament began on Thursday, and Saturday afternoon, we were playing, my team, the defending champions of the Mayor's Cup. By the way, there's no money involved in this at all. There's just medals and a trophy, all right? Just to kind of give you some understanding here. And that guy right there in the red box is one of the players on the defending championship team. If you're wondering, he had just thrown a ball, you can kind of see it there, and yes, that is a cigar in his other hand as he is participating in this intense battle. And if there was a picture of me, you would see the same kind of look on my face because it is very intense, minus the cigar. All right, Saturday afternoon, we're playing these guys. Things are going well. We win the first game easily. Get first to 11. Second game, we're up 10 to 2. The upset is looming amongst the taste of Elmwood Park. And it gets to this point for me, I know it's very emotional. It gets to this point for me where I have a throw to end the match. So I get up, do my typical routine, all sorts of things, and I roll that ball, and it goes. I didn't have to make that great of a roll, but it goes a little bit too far. So they get the ball. It's no big deal. The game still goes on. Well, after that moment, the defending champions 
went on an 18-point run and ended up beating us in the tournament, eliminating us from the Mayor's Cup. And after the match was over, our four teammates got together and we were replaying everything, you know, as a good team does. And I was like devastated. It's like, guys, I'm, I'm so sorry. I had the opportunity, we could have won. This is on me. So I go home later that night and I'm still thinking about this stupid throw. Like, trying to explain to my wife what I would have done differently, Gretchen rolling her eyes as this is happening. All right, Saturday night, I'm still thinking about it. Sunday morning, wake up. I go for a run every Sunday morning. You know what I was thinking about? The throw, right? Show up to church here, preach a sermon. You know what I was thinking about during it? You guys. No, I was really thinking about that throw because I was like, we're not going to play bocce ball this afternoon, all right? And I got to this whole point of where I kept thinking about this moment. I tell you all this for this reason. I got to a point where I started to ask myself this question. How in the world do I forgive myself for this moment? Now, you might be looking at me kind of strange right now and saying, like, all right, first off, Pastor Dave, you need to quit playing bocce ball because you think about this way too much. But if I'm going to be 100% honest here this morning, this isn't an example that I'm willing to share with you guys today. Because I know that if we were to go row by row, person by person, And if you had the opportunity and you felt safe enough in this space to stand up and say, there is something that still I hold onto in my past. And I think about it. And the guilt that I feel is still real and there. We've all been in this very place before. If we could, we would undo it. But the reality is that we can't. See, this plays out in our lives more than just bocce ball throws. This comes in relationships. Maybe, maybe for you, that is a relationship that you've had in the past, and, and you set some boundaries in your mind, and unfortunately, you went a different direction with those. And now you look back at that moment and you feel guilty about the decisions that you made many, many years ago. Or maybe for you, that was was a night that was intended to just be fun, but then it got kind of awkward. And if you could go back and change that moment, you would do anything to do so. Maybe that's just the reality of where we're living right now. A financial decision that seems so safe and smart at the time, but ultimately has affected your life. And it's changed the way that you look at today. See, the reality is, is that there are points and times in our life where we just wish we could go back and fix, forgive ourselves for a decision that we've made. And today, that's what I want to talk about. Today, I want to talk about the reality of when we need to understand what it means to really forgive ourselves for the decisions and choices that we've made in the past. 
In fact, this is where Paul goes in his book, in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, words that we just read. We're taking the study through Colossians. And so far we've learned that Jesus is the center. That's what we're calling this series. The center that holds everything together. And then last week we talked about that because he is the center, that that then calls us to build and be rooted in him. But then today we talk about what does it mean when we go off center? We don't do ultimately what God would desire and want us to do. For me, I've justified this in my life at time, in my life at time, when when I've said things like, well, you know, those things that I did, that was before I knew Jesus. Anybody use that line before? Like that was the old me, you know, I'm a different person today. But the reality is, is that I still have that guilt. And there's certain places and spaces and people that can trigger those things. Or maybe you're somebody that, that in the midst of all that guilt, you're like, just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hide this. I'm going to pretend that nobody actually sees it. And you go to great lengths to pretend like you have everything all together. You put on the mask, or you find yourself just getting distracted by other things because you don't even want to face the fact of how deeply rooted your guilt is. Most of the time when we get to this kind of question of how do I forgive myself, the emotion that comes in this moment is is anger, this unchecked anger that exists in our lives. And it seems to be something that is like just below the surface of who we are and it cripples us as who we are as people. And then the, the theory or the thought goes even deeper than that. Because we can't forgive ourselves, then we start to say things like, well, how in the world could God forgive me? If I can't even forgive myself, how in the world could God do such a thing? It's important to understand that that when sin happens or when uh, there are these moments where we don't live up to the expectations, a relationship is established that's known as a debt relationship. Pretty simple to illustrate here, that if somebody were to take money from you, that creates some kind of debt in your relationship. And the way to pay back that debt is to give back that money to somebody. Or if a husband criticizes his wife in public and says something that is just not right and insensitive, there's a debt that is created there and there has to be an apology, an amount of respect that's shown and going out of your way to say that, no, I recognize that what I did was wrong to solve that debt. Or if your boss takes your great idea at work and claims it as his own, there's a debt that's created there. And in order for that to be taken care of, he would have to admit that it wasn't his idea. See, to forgive always involves debt. But here's the problem. Here's the complexity of all of this. When you've sinned against yourself, you've caused a great debt that cannot be repaid by simply money 
or an apology. How do you make things right with yourself when the only way to make it right is to not have done it in the first place? And, and when we come to grips and start to realize the severity of this forgiveness that comes, it becomes harder for us to understand how in the world can we be forgiven? And we start to like, like then we go and volunteer. Then we try to go do something that betters the community because I don't want to deal with who I am. Then I got to do a bunch more to feel better about myself. And we go round and round and round in this process. Maybe to illustrate it in a, in a better way. Imagine that uh, I had a friend named Fred. For the record, I am making this up, all right? Let's say Fred had, had a nice Rolex watch. My friend Fred. It's fun to say. All right. And Fred, uh, I'm over at Fred's house. I notice that uh, he leaves his watch on uh, the counter and Fred leaves the room. And I was like, man, I really like that watch. I could use a Rolex watch. And I decide to put that watch in my pocket. Fred comes back into the room and we still talk and he notices that the watch is miss missing. So we, before I leave, he says, can you help me try to find the watch? And we're looking around the house and all sorts of stuff and, and I know that it's in my pocket, but Fred thinks that it's just gone missing. Months go by and, uh, and I decide to start wearing this fancy Rolex watch. I go to the gym and somebody uh, takes that watch from me. And I go to my friend Fred and I say, Fred, I had this really nice watch and some jerk took it from me. And at that moment, Fred begins to explain that he knows that I know that I took that watch from him. And it becomes this really awkward exchange. And I'm like, Fred, the only way that I can repay you is to give you some money for, for this watch. How much did it cost? And Fred goes into great detail explaining that what you don't understand, Dave, is that that watch was a gift from my father. And you can't give me an amount of money to pay for that watch. It's in this moment that we begin to understand what it feels like to try to forgive ourselves because I can't repay back the damage that I've done. The only way is to just not do it in the first place. And if we end here today, this is very depressing. All right, have a good Sunday. Go get them, guys. Right? You're like, all right, pastor, where's the Bible? This is supposed to be a sermon. Come on, give me some Bible. All right, we're going to get there in a second. But I want you to understand this point because this is so important to understand the severity of this because then we get to see the beauty, the grace that comes. In fact, this would be one of the reasons that I would argue 
that it's so important to understand who Jesus is, the very gift that he has given. Look here in Colossians chapter two, Paul says this. Paul says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. This is carryover from last week. We're talking about, Paul says, having been buried with him in baptism, a gift that God gives us. That's an identity that he gives us. It's a new life. You didn't earn it. It was given to you by Jesus. If you've not been baptized, I would love to talk to you because we can make this happen. And that is something that nobody can rob from you. Paul says, having been baptized with him. He continues in verse 13, and you who were dead in your trespasses, you who were dead in your sin and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Notice that Paul here in the book of Colossians is making it very clear that our sin, the debt that is created, leaves us in this wonderful word that he says, dead. You can't do anything about it. And, And what's so important to understand in this moment is that God doesn't just leave it there. Hey guys, you can't do it. Instead, it's in this very moment that God recognizes the severity of the debt that has been created, and he's the one who makes a move. He's the one who steps in. He's the one who comes into this world. And it says that having forgiven us all of our trespasses, coming in to take on not just some of those things, not just the little things, and I need more for the big things. No, he says all of our trespasses and our sins. In fact, Paul continues this language in verse 14. He says, he says simply this, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us, with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Now, if there was like, imagine that you, like I owed you some money. I think today how that would work is that we would have to probably get a lawyer involved because we're in America. And uh, and there would have to be somebody that would be an intermediary to say, all right, this is the amount of money that's owed, right? And, And that's for this debt to be paid off, that we have to bring in somebody else. Well, in the first century, Paul, is, which he's speaking into, similarly, it, it, for a debt to happen, there would have to be the person who owed somebody something would have to write out what they owed in their own handwriting. And that could be used as a legal record for the debt that they owed. And what What Paul is saying here, what Jesus comes to proclaim is that that legal demand that was set on you, the debt that you owe, has now 
been nailed to the cross. That this is the exact reason that Jesus came into this world. That legal note, the legal demand is put on the cross. So for this very purpose, I hope you come to memorize this very thought. Because I think it's beautiful for us to remind each other over and over again. You don't have to forgive yourself because yourself has already been forgiven. Think about that. You don't have to forgive yourself. The guilt that you put upon yourself over and over again has been forgiven by what Jesus has done. And this is incredible news. This is really good news. This changes the way that we look at ourselves, the way that we look at other people. This is solely because of what Jesus has done in this world. By his death and resurrection, it's good news. Now, it's very complex. I get that. But we need to begin with an understanding of that you don't have to forgive yourself because yourself is already forgiven. Canceling the debt is what Jesus has come to do. But you might say, all right, but cool, pastor. Like, that doesn't erase my memory. (laughs) There's still social media that can remind me of a lot of those stupid mistakes that I've made. I mean, how do you handle those kinds of things? See, I think it's important to recognize that oftentimes we as people need to tear down our old memorials and start to build new memorials. I mean by that is simply that when we look back at our life and try to make it seem like we're that great of a person or that God was really using me that day because, you know, I made all the things right, that that I need to recognize that that memorial isn't about me, it's about somebody else. I mean, we get this as a society. We, We see this all the time in our culture. We have memorials to remind us of important events that happened. I mean, that simple thing on the left there is a 9-11 memorial that if you've never been there, you should go and see. Or the Lincoln Memorial that reminds us of a person who wasn't perfect but, but desired for justice in our world. And in the same way, we as followers of Jesus need to establish memorials, not of ourselves, but when I look back at my life, I see my failure but I see it through a lens of that's exactly why Jesus had to come. I look back at my life and say, that's exactly the reason that Jesus came into this world, that I contributed to this as well. I did that. And it's no longer a memorial that I am enslaved too. But I look to see that God promises to bring forgiveness.
for that very thing. You might say, all right, pastor, how in the world do you, do you know that? I can be very honest with you today to tell you that I've learned this simply because I stand up in front of you most Sundays. If you think that I'm some perfect human, you have been fooled. It's not, I live this out in my own life having to remind myself over and over and over again that God desires to work through his people. And the things that are going on and happening, I have to see it through the lens of Jesus, a memorial to him. I heard somebody say this quote, I thought it was kind of fun, it resonated with me, they said, when the devil reminds me of my past, I will remind him of his future. When Satan wants to remind me of my past and all the things that tell me that I'm unworthy, my responsibility is to remind him of his future and what is to come. That that no longer reminds me of me, but it reminds me of Jesus. I love these words by St. Augustine. He said that God gives where he finds empty hands, a man whose hands are full of parcels, can't receive a gift. Because the reality is, we don't need like a second chance. We don't need like a time machine to go back and try to reverse the action that we did. Because more times than not, we're going to need a third chance, a fourth chance, and a fifth chance, right? What we need is somebody to say, no, I'm going to take care of that. We need a Savior in the midst of this. But you might be saying, all right, well, um, this is a really risky move by God. Like, like God begins with this understanding of that he's going to announce forgiveness. That seems kind of backwards. Why would God do that? And, and I'm here today with boldness would proclaim that forgiveness isn't just about forgetting. It's not that simple. It's not that we just erase it from time and memory. No, it happened. And I look at it through a different lens. And as a result of my debt, there are consequences to those very things. You can't just say, all right, well, you know, I'm a Christian, so you just need to forgive and forget. No, that doesn't work that way. But what God says is that I've come to cancel the debt in our relationship and make things right. And you are not loved and defined by that very thing. But I think it's important for us to recognize that God announces this forgiveness. I believe he, he leads with this good news because when we actually look in the mirror, when we actually take the time to look at our lives, when, when we take off the filters and we can't hide the curves by the camera angle, we begin to realize how broken we are and how much we are in need of forgiveness. 
And so God leads with this very good news. I want to leave you with one lasting image here. It's of uh, a wedding. This is not a picture from my wedding, by the way. Um, But uh, as you can see, but imagine that you are, uh, imagine that you're at a wedding. It's a beautiful ceremony. And um, there's uh, just a beautiful venue, all things, you're at the reception, the food is on point, which is a challenging thing to do at times, right? There's, there's good beverages, there's a great DJ, they're playing all the jams, everything is good, right? And you're a part of this wedding, you're watching this go down and you see the, the couple that comes into the reception. And you get a glimpse into the moment, you're close enough that you can hear this conversation as they walk into the space. And the husband leans over to his beautiful bride and he says this, baby, I love you so much and I'm eager to spend the rest of my life with you. And you start to blush a little bit, you start to think, oh, this is so perfect, this is how it's supposed to be. Life is fitting together perfectly. But then you hear this statement made by the husband. But I have an important question for you. Now that we're married, how far can I go with other women? Can I like take them on a date? What would happen if I ever kissed somebody? It's just another opportunity to show some forgiveness. And if you noticed and heard that, as some of the reactions that I saw in the room when I said that, you would say very clearly that this guy does not understand the first thing about love. He doesn't understand the commitment that was just made. I bring this image up to finish that when we have this sort of understanding of the great love that God offers and freely gives, the debt that he cancels, and he says, I don't want you to be defined by a misbotchy ball throw, a broken relationship, a stupid moment that you had. You're bigger than those things. That also leads us into the place of that we don't retaliate by saying simply, What can I get away with, God? Instead, this changes our mindset of that God desires to know and love us, and He wants our heart. The relationship with Him isn't one of a boss to an employee where He sets all these rules and you have to meet His demands, and when you do, you'll be rewarded for those things. And he certainly isn't some magic genie that's just waiting for the perfect moment to come out and do something for you. Instead, what he desires is our heart. And he wants you to know that you don't have to forgive yourself. Yourself has already been forgiven. I need to tell myself that, playing bocce ball, but I need to tell myself that often. The debt has been canceled because of Jesus. 
And as a result of that incredible good news, go live in the freedom of that gospel. There will be consequences, sure, for the things that happen, but you're not defined by those things anymore because yourself has already been forgiven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that, that you are a God who works in a way that's beyond what we can comprehend and understand at times. Lord, I think often of, of how we just hold ourselves in this guilt, a state of anxiety. And I pray, God, that we would, we would see that you're, you're a loving God who just wants our heart. And that leads us into to many challenging circumstances that leads us as a group of people to love each other in, in messy ways. Yet, Lord, I just pray that we would better understand the forgiveness that you provide and the freedom that comes because of what you have done. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.